is the Under Centre Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Centre Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Mar, and I am joined by my two trusty co-hosts, my partners in crime, Fionn Malloy and Jake Woolhead. And guys, we have a very special Thursday night football preview this week, of course. It's the Rams travelling to Seattle to take on the Seahawks in an NFC West showdown. It's going to be some game tonight. What an exciting Thursday night football game, having these two rivals go up against, the, especially how they played against each other last season. I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, probably the best Thursday night we've had for a while, I think. Yeah, yeah, three games in nine weeks last year, so they got to know each other very, very well. If they didn't already, of course, being division rivals. And uh, we're going to be speaking about the LA Rams first in this half of the show. And on the show on the show to help us chat about the Rams. We're delighted to have two guests today. First of all, we have Cameron De Silva from the Rams Wire. Cameron, it's great to have you on. Hey, how's it going, guys? Not too bad. It'd be great to speak to you. And secondly, we have Rich Hammond from The Athletic, who is also the co-host of the 11 Personnel podcast too. Rich, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Excellent stuff. So, uh, Cameron, I'm actually going to start with, with yourself in, in this one. Um, tough loss last Sunday against the Cardinals, 37 points to 20, in, in probably a result that maybe not many people thought uh, was coming. Yeah, not something I saw was coming. Uh, I figured it would be a close game, um, not like the blowouts that we saw with the Rams and Cardinals in the past, but um, obviously the Cardinals flipped it on them and, and blew out the Rams with a, a big win. Uh, Rams just didn't have any answers on defense and um, on offense, Matthew Stafford was a little bit off and, and just uh, didn't have the timing right with his receivers and uh, just really an off game and, and not what you expect to see from the Rams on a, on a weekly basis. Yeah. And Rich on, on the defensive side of things as well, the, the team struggled Um the, Ra- the Cardinals uh, rushed for over 200 yards combined with with Murray, Connor, and uh, Edmonds too. And it's definitely sort of something been a bit of a weak point early in the season for the Rams. Yeah, you know, they obviously they were 3-0. and And uh, people were talking a little bit about the defense because they've been giving up a lot of big plays. And, and that was a problem, the, the, the big pass game, uh, the big pass plays that, that they've been giving up. But the thing is, in the first three games, they've been really good on run defense or, or pretty good for the most part. And what happened against Arizona was just a total collapse. They couldn't stop anything. Uh, not only were they still giving up the big plays in the pass game, uh, but then they got run over by Chase Edmonds and run over by Kyler Murray a lot of times too. So it was just, <laughs> it was a, just a systematic failure across the board and, and really kind of exposed or maybe even amplified uh, some of the problems that they were, were having over the first three weeks. Yeah, I guys, I just want to jump in real quick. Uh, Cameron, you mentioned that uh, Stafford wasn't quite clicking last week. That's probably not a surprise. He is a new addition to the team this year, moving on from Jared Goff. What did both of you guys think initially when that deal was done? And how do you think Stafford has settled into his role so far this season? Are you happy with his performance? Yeah, I, I thought that trade immediately was going to be one that worked out well for the Rams. Uh, really just Sean McVay getting a veteran guy in who... Um, can really command an offense himself and, and um, not need much guidance. I, I thought that fit well, especially with his skill set off play action and, and throwing aggressively downfield. That's something that the Rams didn't do much of with golf the last couple of years. Um, so I, I, I like the trade initially, and I think he's played really well up to this point. 
um, outside of a couple of underthrows to Deshaun Jackson and uh, and a pick the week prior. It was um, really really strong performance from Stafford so far. Silva, let me just ask you then at the our rich sorry um, at the the uh, when you heard the news, obviously you're probably delighted. I mean, there's an obvious upgrade over uh, uh, Matt Stafford to Jared Goff, but now Cameron, you mentioned that he has a veteran quarterback who knows it, so he doesn't have to kind of cancel or like call out the entire defense with 15 seconds left before the mic cuts off. But there's an obvious connection between Matt Stafford and, and Cooper Cup, which is loads of reports coming out of them staying after practice and, you know, having that kind of extra time together. And it's really shown on the field. You think there's like, there's a lot in that relationship there or is it kind of, we've seen the start of a good relationship. Yeah, you are for sure. There's, there's no question. They, they have that kind of chemistry. The one thing they have to watch is, is not to rely on that too much though. And, and like we were just kind of discussing here over the last couple of minutes, I mean, Matthew Stafford was a little bit off in that Arizona game. And quite frankly, Cooper cup was a little bit off too. I mean, there were a couple of catches that or a couple of balls that maybe went off his hands or, or, you know, catches that he would have made in a normal situation. And I thought in that game, Maybe that should have been noticed a, a little bit more. It's really hard to do during a game. It's hard to kind of diagnose that in, in real time and 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 fix it. Um, but they could have gone elsewhere. Robert Woods hardly got any attention in that game and, until late. Uh, they got Van Jefferson going a little bit. But I, I think they have to watch that a little bit. You don't want to become too predictable. You don't want to become too one-dimensional. But look, some of the things that, that Cooper Cup does out there, and, and Matthew Stafford knows it and, and sees it, um, so he certainly has that trust in him and in a tight situation, he's going to be looking for him first, but you got to be careful that, that, that doesn't become kind of a, a, a crutch a little bit and, and that they don't go to that well too many times, but yeah, they, they've developed a great connection considering there was no preseason, uh, they, they didn't play in any games together. So the fact that the four games into this thing, the fact that they are that connected and having that kind of success together, I think that bodes well for, for the rest of the season. Sure, definitely delighting fantasy owners of Cooper Cup all over the world. And maybe disappointing a few Robert Woods fantasy owners as well at the same time. <laughs> Jake included there. Uh, but I want to actually go back to the defense there a little bit because, um, like you mentioned, they were number two uh, ranked last year. And um, they have slipped down the ranks at the start of this season, albeit it is still early days. Um, but I want to talk maybe about the defensive line because obviously – Aaron Donald rightly gets all the headlines for being probably the best defensive player in the league. But what they have lost, especially in the offseason, was maybe that complementing piece that he tends to have on the line with him. The likes of um, Morgan Fox, Michael Brockers, Samson, Ekubam have all gone this offseason. Is that something, and he's only had two sacks as well this year, uh, Donald too. Could that be something that's maybe sort of contribute to maybe a slow start for the defensive line yeah I mean, it, it you do you have to have that compliment because if if if, if teams don't fear anybody but aaron donald he's going to get double teamed and triple teamed and it's just going to be a nightmare for for him and for that defense so they, they've been able to pair it over over the last couple of years with with some good edge rushing i mean leonard floyd is is still there he's a, he's a good compliment I just think you mentioned Michael Brockers. I mean, I, I think that's a guy who even among some Rams fans, I'm not sure if he was really appreciated as much uh, as he should have been just because he wasn't putting up big numbers all the time. He wasn't putting up a lot of sacks and things like that, but uh, he was so good. And it was in ways that you don't even really see sometimes in, when you're watching the games live. 
Um, so I, I do think they lost a little bit there. They, they have a young guy, Sebastian Joseph Day, who's, who's playing really well in the middle. I, I think he can continue to grow and, and, and be a very good compliment for, for Aaron there. But they need that stuff off the edge, too. And they, they've had some injuries there. Uh, they're trying to play a guy like Obo Okoronkwo back into it a little bit. Um, but uh, Terrell Lewis is a guy they really like, but he's had some trouble staying on the field because of uh, knee problems. So you're right. Aaron Donald, you look at him, uh, you know, in a, in a vacuum, you look at him by himself and, and he's clearly the best defensive player in the NFL. Uh, but if he's not complemented by some other uh, strong players, some other strong pass rush, then it makes it a lot tougher. So I think you're seeing a little bit of that over the first uh, couple of weeks here. Well, it's definitely the game to uh, get right because he seems to love uh, playing uh, our, our Russell Wilson, Cameron. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, he's Wilson's a guy who he's sacked a bunch and he's played against him a bunch as well, uh, going up against him twice a year. But this is a, a favorable matchup for Donald against that Seahawks offensive line. Um, but like Rich was saying, they got to have a complimentary guy off the edge and, and on that defensive line. And I think Morgan Fox was an important player who – um, really went kind of overlooked for the Rams in the past couple of years as that third down situational pass rusher comes in playing that defensive end spot. Um, they're just not getting the same pass rush out of a guy like a Sean Robinson through four games. Um, so Fox was an important guy to come in on third down where, you know, the team, the, the, the offense is going to be throwing the ball and um, you can really get after the, the quarterback, but um, Leonard Floyd, I think he's generated some pressure this year, even if the sack numbers aren't, massive um like like rich mentioned tara lewis obo okoronko on the other side those guys have to stay healthy especially with justin hollins out for for most of the season now um that's an important spot to get some pass rush from yeah and heading into the game uh on the injury report there that we saw uh on tuesday um, Tyler Higby, Daryl Henderson and, and Taylor Rapp were all on the injury report for a sort of limited participation in practice but um, I'd assume all are expected to play tonight yeah yeah it looks that way they were actually uh, we, we got the uh, actually just as we were talking here we got the uh, injury report for Wednesday and, and, and those guys were all full participants so um, look, looking good there. I think they were being pretty uh, obviously Daryl Henderson played in that game with, uh, with some sore ribs which could not have been a lot of fun, uh, but he was able to get through the the game. And I think they're just kind of uh, keeping an eye on him in, in practice this week. But uh, yeah, those those guys should be good. Uh, other than, uh, as Cameron mentioned, you know, Justin Hollins being uh, being out, and and obviously the guys who have been out for the full season. Um, it's it's a good time. You know, these 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 turnarounds can be tough here when you're talking about going from uh, from Sunday to Thursday. Um, and you know, it's not a lot of time if you have a guy who's trying to work his way back. So I think it worked out in the Rams favor a little bit and probably Seattle too, is just, uh, it's not later in the year when you have the, a, a few more injuries popping up, you're relatively healthy at the beginning of the year. So Daryl Henderson was, was the big question, but he was able to make it through that full game, uh, against Arizona. So it looks like, um, you know, as long as he doesn't have another, another, uh, unfortunate hit, it looks like he'll be ready to go. Cameron, we know all the players now that are going to be available. What do you think against this Seahawks is more important? Is it going to be getting the defensive scheme right? We know how much they like to play against this Seattle offensive line. Or is it getting Stafford back clicking and getting that offense going and causing as much damage as possible? Yeah, I'm not too worried about the Rams offense in this one. Seattle's given up the most yards in the NFL through four games, which is quite surprising, but... Um, teams are running the ball with success against them. So I think Daryl Henderson's going to have a nice game, um, especially with the way the offensive line played last week or on Sunday against the Cardinals. 
Um, they're opening up some big holes. And, and I think you're going to see some of that again on Thursday night um, against the Seahawks. So not really worried about the offense, but slowing down Russell Wilson is always a challenge. Um, even when you think you have him, he's going to, he's going to make a play outside the pocket and, and find a receiver down the field. And when you're going up against Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, it's never an easy matchup, even when you do have someone like Jalen Ramsey. So I think getting the defense right is, is a critical part of this game. Um, slowing down the, the power running of Chris Carson and, and kind of limiting him to um, really the, the Rams just have to get back on track defensively because it was not pretty against the Cardinals. And, and this isn't much easier of a matchup going up against Russell Wilson and Metcalf and, and all those other guys. Speaking of the offensive line, what is in the water in LA to keep getting Andrew Whitworth on the field every week? <laughs> it's unbelievable. I've, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, he's, you know, 39 years old. He's, he's going to turn 40 this year. And honestly, guys, I mean, he looks like he gets in better shape every year. I don't understand I, whatever he's eating or drinking. Like I, I want some of it because he's doing a lot better than I am. I can tell you that much. Um, and it, it's just to, to see him. I mean, he's not, and he's not losing it on the field either. I mean, you, you can, uh, he's just so technically good with, with the things that he does. And I feel like it's almost, you know, the Rams just keep stringing this out. I mean, they thought he was going to be gone a couple of years ago. They thought that they kind of had the, the plan in place. They drafted a guy who they thought, okay, in, in a year or so, when, when Andrew Whitworth retires, uh, we, will, we will bring around this young guy, Joe Noteboom. And now they're to the point where, Joe Noteboom's contract is very Andrew still here. So it's crazy. amazing. It's like this this plan that they had, thinking you know that that they were going to have to replace this guy in a couple of years. They just don't need it. And you know, knock on wood, he's you know he's had a couple injuries here and there, as guys do. You know, you you turn an ankle or something like that. He had the knee last year that that kept him out for for a while, but. But he's been able to stay, stay so healthy and consistent. And, and beyond that, it's just the leadership that he brings uh, to that offensive line. It's just irreplaceable. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's worked out when you looked at 2018 and 2019. You thought, wow, that really worked out well for the Rams. But it's worked out for, for years longer than they thought it would. Yeah, and looking at the last season especially, the, the Rams went 2-1 and one against the Seahawks, including that uh, wildcard weekend win in uh, Lumen Field. And coming out of those games last season, there seems to have been, well, there always was a rivalry, but seems to have intensified a little bit with uh, Jamal Adams, of course, uh, going to the podium with a cigar after clinching the NFC West in that second game. And then, of course, Jalen Ramsey's sending them to Cabo for the uh for the off season and then of course the the guys having um, a little fun back when the rams lost as well also full circle that um i realized um i think it was reading a piece from i think it was um from your colleague jordan um rodrigue saying that actually matt stafford's trade was finalized in cabo as well so it was kind of full circle there um too but yeah it's definitely the the rivalry has intensified um just last season and we could see maybe a little bit of edge heading into this game tonight yeah jamal adams has has really taken that to another level since he's been uh traded to seattle he's a guy who's instigating a lot of that and uh, Rams Jalen Ramsey likes to talk to and uh, and he was part of that sent him to Cabo and um, DK he has a he has a pretty good um, competitive spirit with DK Metcalf when they're on the field uh, mutual respect for each other but 
Um, this is definitely a rivalry that these guys get up for every time they uh, they square off twice a year. And it's fun to see. Um, I think we'll see Jamal Adams with some intensity on the field. And uh, hopefully, I know the Rams haven't been using Jalen Ramsey to shadow number one receivers this season, but hopefully we get to see him on DK Metcalf a little bit tonight because that's it's a, it's a heavyweight fight every time they go up against each other. Yeah, Rich, uh, he seems to be, Ramsey has been playing more in the, the sort of slot corner position now at the start of this season. Yeah, that, that's one thing that, that Brandon Staley actually brought in a, a little bit last year, uh, the, the the star position where they, they can kind of move him around a little bit. And, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, when, when you have a guy like that who can, can just do do anything on the field, it's like you've got a talent like that. How do you utilize it the best? Not not unlike the way you would you would move a receiver around on the field and, and put him in, in advantageous positions, things like that. But the thing you have to have behind it is is you have to have those corners who can who can still handle it. And that's where the Rams struggled a, a little bit this past week. And not not to put it on on one person because it absolutely was not it was not on one person. It was a full it was a full defense failure. But David Long really, really struggled um in, in pass coverage last year. And and he's a guy along with Darius Williams at, at corner, who if you're going to use Jalen in those different ways, if you're going to put him closer to the line of scrimmage or put him in the slot or whatever, then you need to make sure that those other guys can can handle some of those responsibilities uh, on the outside. And it, it just didn't happen last week. And everybody has a bad game. Everybody has a bad week. So it's not to say that the, there won't be a bounce back uh, this week, but that's really what's been kind of hurting the Rams here. These big, these 20 plus yard plays, even the 30, 40 uh, yard passes, that's what this defense is really designed to limit. And, and that's really where they've been bitten over, over the last couple of weeks. So whatever they decide to do with Jalen, uh, you know, the, again, this is definitely an interesting matchup with DK Metcalf. Do you want to shadow him? How much do you want to limit his uh, effectiveness? Uh, I don't know. I tend to think you do. I tend to think that's probably the matchup you, you want to go with there, but obviously the Rams are going to keep that pretty close to the vest and, and we'll find out uh, on, on the first drive of the first quarter tonight. I guess Lockett kind of adds a little wrinkle into that as well. He is their leading receiver at the moment. So having that extra second threat makes it a little bit more of a headache to try and decide where your top corner is going to go. Yeah, and Arizona had so I mean, they did a great job. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury did a great job in that game. Uh, Kyler Murray did a great job. I mean, they were throwing to Max Williams. They made him look pretty good. They were throwing to their running backs even and getting them involved. So it was like you did not know where they were going to hit you next or how they were going to. And that's really what you have to do uh, against this this Rams defense. So, yeah, I agree. Seattle, Seattle has some of the weapons to, to pull that off too. So the Rams are going to have to definitely tighten up there. Cameron, maybe you can give me a little bit of hope coming into Thursday for Robert Woods. We seen Sean McVay the other day release a statement saying we have to get Robert Woods back in the action. Do you foresee maybe a little bit of a better game from maybe not even fantasy football wise, but just in general? Yeah, I, I kind of steered people the wrong way this offseason <laughs> saying he would be the better pick than than Cup in Cooper fantasy. Cooper. And uh, I've been wrong about that. But <laughs> Woods is such a steady guy. He's such a, a solid receiver who does everything well. And He's a great blocker. He's he's a good route runner, and I think he has he has some speed to really um, be that deep threat in this offense too. Uh, we just haven't seen it connect with between him and Stafford yet. Um, I, I, he kind of, he looked kind of frustrated after his garbage time touchdown on Sunday, and you know he wants the ball because what receiver doesn't? Um, but I think this is a favorable matchup against a not so great Seattle secondary. Um, and with teams, even I don't remember which corner it was on the Cardinals, but 
he admitted after the game that they they really focused on slowing down Cooper Cup, especially on third down. So as you see teams do that to Cup, um, I, I think you're going to see more opportunities for Woods. And um, Stafford has said he's he's not necessarily focusing on Cup. It's he's going through his reads, and, and the the coverage is going to dictate where the ball goes. And if a guy's open, he's going to go there. But um, Cup has been his first read a lot, on a lot of these plays. And hopefully we'll see a little bit more of Robert Woods getting involved. Yeah, Chris, and um, the current uh, offensive coordinator for the Seahawks is a Shane Waldron, who was working with the Rams last year. Is there any sort of, I wouldn't say fear, but maybe uh, maybe it's change up the, the game plan for Thursday so that it is sort of new stuff that we're coming into the game that, sh- that maybe Waldron would not have been privy to in the past? Yeah, maybe. I mean, even some of the terminology or, or something like that. But I'd, I'd go back to where we kind of started with it. I mean, this is a very different Rams offense that, than it was last year. I mean, obviously, there's certain concepts or philosophies that Sean McVay has had since since 2017 that aren't going to change. So uh, certainly, you know, Shane Waldron has that kind of institutional knowledge. He knows Sean McVay. He knows how he operates, kind of maybe how he thinks in certain situations. Uh, but, but this is a very different different offense uh, than it was last year. I mean, they were trying to manage Jared Goff a little bit last year. They weren't taking a lot of deep shots. Uh, they, they weren't able to work certain areas of the field. And, and now it's kind of opened up uh, quite a bit where, where they can they can beat you in pretty much any um, area of the field. So I guess if I was Shane Waldron, I would I would look more back to the, you know, 2018 game film or, or uh, things like that than, than I would look to my experiences with with Sean McVay last year, because because I think it's changed a lot. But, you know, that's uh, these things cut. I mean, uh, these coaches even hang out together. I mean, they they have these seminars that they have in the summer, and and they all they all talk shop. So I don't I don't really think there's too many secrets. But if a guy knows your tendencies a little bit, uh, I, I think there's a little maybe get in your head a little bit. Uh, so I, I'm sure Shane Waldron will be trying to you know jog his memory and and think of what Sean McVay did in certain situations, and and maybe that pays off at some point. But on the other hand, Sean McVay knows Shane Waldron also, so maybe it, maybe it cuts both ways. Very true. Uh, before we let you go, I, I want to get a prediction from you guys. So first of all, I want to let, uh, sorry, I want you to tell us uh, who's going to win the score. And currently at the moment, the under over is 54. So if you think it's going to, if they're, if we're going to hit the under or the over. Uh, Cameron, I'll start with you first. Yeah, I, I know the spread's two and a half and it, it feels like this is kind of a, um, <laughs> an obvious pick, but um, I'm going to go with the Rams 27-24. It goes just under the, the total. And um, I know there's been a couple of blowouts and, and lopsided scores between these teams, but they're kind of, they're, they're a little bit more evenly matched right now. It's some, some things to figure out defensively for the Rams that I think that the Seahawks are going to exploit a little bit. And then on the, on this other side, it's the same way almost with the Rams offense going up against this defense. So uh, 27-24 is my pick with the Rams winning. Yeah, that, that that feels about right to me. I mean, I, I might go a little. I, I'm pretty. I'd be more confident about the under. It, it just doesn't feel like it's it's going to turn into a, a particularly high scoring game uh, to me. Seattle's defense played pretty well. I mean, San Francisco's had its own issues, uh, but, but Seattle played its its best defensive game of of the season on on Sunday. So I, I think the Rams will be able to score on them. That they, they they have been under uh, Sean McVay. Um, so maybe I, I, I'd be pretty close to that, uh, to Cameron's prediction there. I, I might say 24, 21, uh, Rams or something like that. Clearly it'll, 
I, I can see the Rams getting anywhere from 24 to 28 points in that range. That The difference is going to be, are they going to be able to bounce back? Uh, because if if they give up if they give up 37 like they did against Arizona, then then obviously they're going to be in bad shape. So if they can keep that defensive number down to 20, 21, 24, uh, I, I think the Rams win a, a narrow narrow victory. Okay, so I have to change my bets then. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I mean, everybody was convinced. Honestly, like when the Arizona minus uh, Rams were minus six against Arizona that came out and then that kind of drew my attention. And, and a lot of people on Twitter were like, Oh no, Arizona, they're not, you don't need to worry about them. And then, well, guess what happened? So you, you never know. Trust, trust your instincts, Jake. That's what I would tell you. Trust your instincts. Appreciate it. They're always wrong, but I will. Try. <laughs> that's why unfortunately he's bottom of our prediction league at the moment. Oh. So that's why his instincts aren't, uh, aren't treating him well. At the moment. Usually what I do is I'll say, what are my instincts? And then I'll do directly the opposite. The opposite of stuff, guys. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us today. Uh, before we uh, let you go, um, first of all, Rich, where can uh, people find your work and your podcast? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, you, you can uh, search uh, 11 personnel where, pretty much wherever you get podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever, wherever you're uh, But uh, yeah, and then uh, theathletic.com. Uh, Jordan Rodriguez, thanks for the plug for her too. She does a fantastic job uh, covering the team every day. So you can always uh, get a good discount. We, 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 cover, uh, we cover football over there also. So if any, uh, we got an ext- extensive team of, uh, of beat reporters to, to cover all the Premier League teams in, in, uh, in England. So um, appreciate it. And, and Cameron, the same for yourself? Yeah, over at theramswire.usatoday.com. Uh, no podcast, but you can follow me on Twitter too at Cam De Silva, and uh, I'll be covering the Rams over there. Uh, if you're looking for a podcast, I'm sure we might find a position here if you if you're really looking <laughs> to talk somewhere. We might uh, butt heads a little bit because uh, I'm a Seahawks fan, so we might might have to hold that job offer until maybe uh-huh. after Thursday's game to find out. <laughs> we're still going. <laughs> well guys thanks again so much for taking the time to speak to us we hope to uh speak to you again maybe some point later on in the season hope you uh enjoy the game absolutely thanks for having you me too. thank you uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to be looking at the seahawks side of things with michael sean dugar and welcome back to the under center podcast on this thursday night football preview show looking ahead of course to the rams versus seahawks game later on tonight we just had rich hammond and Cameron De Silva on speaking about the Rams side of things. It was great to speak to them and we hope they enjoy the game and we'll speak to them again in the future. But joining us now to talk about the Seahawks side of things, we have Michael Sean Duger, who is, of course, from The Athletic and host of the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Mike, it's so great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Doing excellent. Excellent. little nervous for the game later, I will admit. Quite nervous for the game later. <laughs> yeah, there's there's good reason to be from the Seahawks perspective. The Rams are really good, and I don't think that you can look at the Cardinals game and be like, let's just do that because the Cardinals have players that the Seahawks don't. So that's yeah, I can understand the nerves. Yeah, of course, and I, well, it is that sort of thing where um, the way the division has been set up the last few years, where it is the Seahawks always beat the 49ers the 49ers always beat the Rams but the Rams are always beating the Seahawks Sean McVay seems to have this sort of uh sort of have uh, Pete Carroll's number especially uh of course last year beating them uh twice uh, in three games 
yeah, the, 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 the rivalry is not going well for, for Pete. I mean, I know it didn't go well before when he was, when Jeff Fisher was the coach of the Rams, but I don't think that's necessarily relevant or instructive uh, currently since Jeff doesn't coach the Rams anymore. Like what's going on with the Rams matters in the, in the present. I think a little bit more like he, I think Pete's three and six playoff and playoffs included um, since acquiring Jalen Ramsey, the Seahawks are averaging, I think 17 points uh, a game against the Rams defense. Like this, their offense has been just, pretty trash um in the four games since the rams got ramsey uh, so that goes all the way back to december of 2019 um even seattle's wins i mean they won on a cooper cup drop in 2017 they only give it 10 points that game so it's like that was a good game at least defensively um that was a full legion of boom game one of the last few uh full legion of uh, boom games 2017 and then 2019 they won on a missed kick uh by greg zerline the Seahawks did. So it's like they're winning by the skin of their teeth with the exception of the week 16 win last year. And then when they lose, like it's pretty convincing for the Rams. I mean, the, the 2018 games were both one possession, but the Rams were definitely the better team in those games. I think the Seahawks could have won the first one, um, if not for like a false start or something like that, but and some coaching misused by Pete to no surprise. But I think they were pretty like the Rams felt like the better team. They went to the Super Bowl that year. So, I mean, they were the better team. Um, and then let's see the 2019 games. Yeah. Like I said, they went on a kick, then smoked the Seahawks down in LA. Um, the game in LA last year didn't feel particularly close. Rust through two picks. Like it just, even in the playoff game was a disaster to play playing the Rams in three, three times in nine weeks last year. Got a lot of people in Seattle's organization fired, you know, and, and, and got, two people in the Rams organization, new jobs, uh, and got some Rams free agents paid, like John Johnson, uh, Troy Hill. So, I mean, it's it's not been good for Pete Carroll against Sean McVay. Like, Sean McVay is, has proven to be the better head-to-head coach in this matchup, and it's not even particularly close. Yeah, but of course, though, they're playing in the action green, though, tonight. So, obviously, that automatically means that they are going to win because they always win in action green. <laughs> Yeah, the, the 2019 game on the missed kick is an action green. Um, let's see. The other two wins are not action green. But I mean that no. that it still it still counts. I think the, the 2019 missed kick was so that was super fluky. I mean, I think Pete Carroll joked after the game that that was Paul Allen who like came from above and like blew <laughs> it blew some air and pushed it to the right. Because that was the game he went into the um Ring of Honor, Paul did, because he had died the year before. But, I mean, it was so fluky. If you remember, Tedrick Thompson had, like, an interception that the ball, like, ba- almost barely touched the ground. It was very reminiscent of Julian Edelman's Super Bowl catch against the Falcons. Like, the, the tip of the ball, like, breathes on <laughs> shades of turf, or uh, some blades of turf. It was really, really, really close. Uh, and then they won that game with the action green. I think that's the same game Tyler has that, like, miraculous catch in the end zone. Um, but it's not surprising things have changed since then because you look at – I think Russ in that game, in the 2019 game, the Action Greens, threw three touchdown passes against Marcus Peters, at least one. Um, and then they traded Marcus and Aqib Tlaib, brought in Jalen Ramsey, and then their defense got nasty. Like, they didn't make the playoffs that year, but clearly we see that they've – then the following year they had the best defense in the league. So I really think that – it cannot be overstated how bad this matchup has been 
for Pete Carroll. And I, I isolate Carroll and not one side of the ball because it's, it's, it's oscillated, right? I think I'm using that word correctly. It starts off as the offense has been bad against McVay and the defense is bad against McVay or vice versa. That just means it's the coach, right? If both sides just take turns being stinky against one dude. Um, and that's a dude who had Jared Goff at quarterback. So like, I'd be very concerned uh, if I was, if I was Seattle this week, now if I was a player, they're always confident, but just like, in general, is everyone else should be worried. Well, look, normally, Mike, I'm a I'm a Washington fan. Jake, our other co-host, is not with us at the moment as a Giants fan. So we're used to not having very good football teams to cheer for. Dara's not so used to this. So we have to give him something positive to look forward to for this game. Where are the positive for the Seahawks? For me, at least, I think it's the fact that you have Metcalf and Lockett playing very well so far this season. I think having the two of them on the same wavelength is going to cause a couple of problems for the for the Rams, given that Jalen Ramsey can only cover one at a time. So maybe that's a place where, where the Seahawks fans can look forward to seeing some positivity. Uh, oh, I don't know. Metcalf is really, <laughs> really bad against Jalen Ramsey. I mean... I mean, it's it's Russ too. It's not just just DK, but I think DK averages like seventy two yards um, a game for his career and about four and a half catches, I think. And those numbers against Ramsey specifically dropped to like twenty eight yards and two point two catches or something in that range. The the bottom line is he's not nearly as good when lined up against number twenty or number five, whatever whatever numbers Jalen's wearing. <laughs> Uh, so I, I'd be really concerned um, about that. I was actually in the middle of writing like a preview talking about that. And then I just remembered I don't have a preview due today. So I got like a thousand words on this particular matchup sitting in a Word document. That's how I have the numbers all fresh on my brain. It will never come out, but <laughs> I have uh, So I think my, my reason for optimism is the Shane Waldron and the run game. Because the more you study the Rams in particular, the more Pete Carroll's comments after the year makes sense. Like, look, if we're going to beat the Rams, we should run the ball. And that's not like as frustrating as that may sound for people in Seattle. No, I get it. I get it. Like that's that that matters because what the Rams do is they like they're designed to they work top down. So they they play like a too high shell with their safeties, basically saying we dare you to run it. And the way that they try to combat that, there's two main ways. Um, one of them is how they teach their linemen to not only be responsible for one gap, like the, the gap in front of you or whatever, they, they're like one and a half, like you're responsible for this gap and the backside of this gap or whatever. It's very tough for linemen to do that, but they pull it off. It helps when you have Aaron Donald. The second way they do that, at least this year, what I've seen is they bring Jordan Fuller, their strong safety. They basically use him as a linebacker in run support who starts 15 yards back, essentially. So he's like coming from depth. And you're watching the Cardinals game. The Cardinals really exploited that because they blocked well up front. That's what you need against the Rams as well. They blocked well. So James Conner and Chase Edmonds weren't even getting to Fuller until, and he was making tackles. He's a really good tackler. Fuller is, but they weren't even, he wasn't even getting to the ball carrier until they had like five, six yards. So, I mean, if you're doing that and you're getting those going, and then you have Kyler Murray, the running games becomes a really, a really good way to beat um, the, the Rams defense. And then you just throw it where Jalen Ramsey's not, which is what the Cardinals did as well so if Alex Collins starts if Chris Carson starts I just think that with Shane and Andy Dickerson uh, who Shane brought with him from LA he's the run game coordinator now they know the importance of the run game um, and I think that that's that's going to be very critical and I think Alex Collins is well suited to run well against these guys Chris is as well I'm not really sure about Travis or DJ 
Travis Homer or DJ Dallas. But the this the optim the upshot of this is like, okay, hey, wait, we got Alex Collins and we got a, a OC who knows that we have to run the ball to beat these guys, and that's that's the gonna be the key because I don't think that was the case in the honestly in the two games the the week sixteen and the wild card matchup for Seattle it just didn't matter in the week sixteen because Jared Goff broke his thumb. Um, but it clearly mattered in the wild card game um, that they lost. Yeah, and what have you made of of the running game? Because looking back at the game last week against San Francisco, I thought, especially in the third and fourth quarter when they had the lead, I thought they ran the ball quite well. Uh, into um, not just obviously with the Alex Collins touchdown, but you know, keeping the chains moving, keeping the clock ticking over, which is one thing that they didn't do particularly well in their first home game in the year against the Titans, which of course they were up by two scores at multiple occasions where in the second half, they just, they didn't really run the ball, which means they didn't hold onto the ball for as much as they can, which obviously um, played a part in them losing that game. So like you mentioned, it, it's going to be important to run the ball and to beat the Rams. Could we see, have you been, I guess say, uh, have you liked the improvement that we've seen uh, since Sunday? Uh, with the run game specifically? Yeah. Um, I think I think the run game has just been fine. I think it was fine last year, to be honest. Um, Chris was Chris's numbers. He was really efficient last year. He didn't have the volume because he missed a bunch of games, but that makes sense. Um, but he was really efficient. He was top five in like a lot of good efficiency numbers. He caught the ball really well, which was important when Russ was cooking because your running backs need to be involved in that whole pass first offense thing so i thought all that was uh, was 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 really good um it's been efficient this year as well i don't think chris has been as efficient um if if you i think his 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 game on sunday really dropped his efficiency numbers he had been doing really well before that um i use expected points added like an advanced metric when i track run game stuff his numbers aren't great there because he's fumbled already and lost that fumble um and that and he lost that in deep in his own territory which can swing your expected points when you give the other team the ball, um, you know, when they're damn near in the red zone afterwards. So that Chris's numbers are a little skewed that way, at least the advanced ones, but I think it's been fine. The blocking has been inconsistent and I think that's really important. Um, it's been bad on a lot of Chris carries. Like it was, it honestly wasn't super great against the Colts. There was just some plays that Chris turned nothing into something. It was particularly good on the, 33 yarder he had on a short yardage where Will Disley just clears out Darius Leonard, which I don't know how that's kind of fluky. Will's a good blocker, but um, that that's tough sledding. Uh, I think like to to count on consistently as good as Darius Leonard is. So I think the blocking needs to be a lot more consistent. I think everyone needs to be involved in the run game as blockers too. Cause you look at on the tape, Will's really good. Gerald Everett is really good. So hopefully he plays, um, in this game as well. And that includes, you know, the the receivers. One of those plays that comes to mind against the Colts, Tyler gets blocked, like, into Chris. Chris ends up, like, four yards behind the uh, line of scrimmage, like, damn near right after he touches the ball. He turns it into, like, a four-yard gain, though, because Chris is Chris. But then you look at the Vikings game. On the flip side of that, DK Metcalf holds off, I think, Patrick Peterson. That springs Chris for the 30-yarder, um, or however long that was, for his touchdown in that game. So, like, everyone needs to be good. At the run blocking, it's not just the linemen, it's not just the tight ends, it's the receivers. Um, and Russ, Russ needs to do his part and recognize the fronts and the the run boxes that are advantageous. Like I, there was a couple against the Niners, that like I could tell just looking, I was like, this is gonna be if this is a run, this is gonna suck, right? Because it was like eight guys there, you know, 
one of them being Fred Warner. So like, I think they need to do a better job running into lighter boxes, which they're going to get a ton of against the Rams. That's, that's really good. Um, and the blocking just needs to be a lot more consistent. It's been okay, um, but really inconsistent. It needs to be like perfect on Thursday for the win. Uh, one way that could help the run game is obviously if if Wilson can spread the ball a little bit and like you said, really force that lighter box, which always helps run games. How have you found his play over the last maybe, well, this season and the end of last season? Is it a little bit worrying that I, he has had good numbers, but the, the win columns haven't necessarily been taken over as they have before? And maybe he has certainly been accused of in, in some respects of, trying to do a little bit too much and go for the the over-the-top play to really drag the team out when maybe he should have played a little bit more conservatively. Is, is that something you agree on, or how have you felt he's been playing over the last few games? Uh, over the last few games, I think he's been, he's been fine. I mean, he was really good against the Niners, I thought. Like, that was that was Russ saving their ass on on, on Sunday. I mean, the, the touchdown run, the throw to the Freddie Swain for a touchdown. Um, he just He just made some stuff happen. Um, and the blocking got better in that game as well. Um, he was really good against the Colts. Um, I thought he was fine against the Titans, too, despite what Pete Carroll said about his overtime sequence. Like, Russ has been solid. I mean, Lee's league and passer rating, which isn't like the end-all be-all. But, I mean, mm-hmm. he's got a bunch of advanced metrics that work in his favor, too. You know, he's been really efficient. He's thrown the ball downfield. He hasn't turned the ball over. The only knock, he keeps taking a bunch of sacks. I mean, some of his pass protection has been crappy, but um, he just – I mean – Guys who take sacks, that's pretty consistent whether they have good protection or bad protection, which makes sense considering sacks are a QB stat. Um, I think right now, in particular on third down, Russ leads the league in sack percentage. Either that or he's second to Houston rookie Davis Mills, which isn't good. You don't want to be next to Davis Mills in any statistic um, right now because he's playing poorly. (laughs) So I think that that's that's the area where um, I want to see Russ – be a little bit actually not be a, be a lot better because mm-hmm. there's going to be times when his pass protection lets him down and there were some times like that against the rams well for Kyler murray in week four and he just he just made it so that it didn't matter um so i think i think russ's job if you're looking for an area for russ to improve in i think it's i don't think it's spreading the ball around a little bit more um i really don't care whether the tight ends get catches like i think that's mm-hmm. way too much of a thing uh, in in Seattle, just like as a tight end group, Gerald should get a lot of touches because Gerald's very good, especially with the ball in his hands. But in general, a team that has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I don't really care who else catches the ball. You throw it to them twenty times a game, I feel you, right? That that's good. It's really good. Uh, but just avoiding the negative plays. Russ Russ runs himself and holds the ball into negative plays, and you just cannot do that uh, uh, in this game against the Rams because you will lose and you will be in the ice bath for a very long time after the game. If that <laughs> what have you, um, you mentioned a little bit about the offensive line. Uh, what have you made of uh, Kyle Fuller so far um, this season? Because there was a lot of talk on Seahawks Twitter to try and use that uh, second round pick that they had this year on one of the centers, like a uh, Landon Dixon, Creed Humphrey, uh, Quinn Miners as well was a, was up there too but he decided to obviously go for D. Eskridge and um promote Kyle Fuller as as the starting center um what how have you felt he's performed so far this year you know that's interesting you asked me that let me look at oh you know I did use oscillating right that's a good word um anyway sorry 
Um, I was in that preview that I said is never going to come out. I was looking at some center numbers because in, in my previews, what I do is I, um, I have who I expect a big game from X factor and some other stuff. My X factor was actually going to be Kyle Fuller. Um, he, I don't, I'm not an expert on center play. I'm, I'm not. That's one of those where I lean on other people in the numbers a bit more than other positions for the most part. His numbers are bad. Uh, like he's given up, I think, eight pressures, and that's like seventh most among centers. He's got the second highest pressure percentage allowed um, among qualifying centers. So that's guys who at least played, I think, 100 um, offensive snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, his pro his pro football focus grade is pretty it's really poor, like bad. Uh, I don't put a ton of stock into the grades themselves. Like if you read my stuff, you'll see me cite True Media a lot. I like their stuff a little bit more. It's tied to Pro Football Focus. They use a lot of the, their they legitimately use each other's numbers. Um, I think Pro Football Focus has a deal with them. But the good thing is in True Media, you can click on like those eight pressures I said. I can click on them and it le- it's got a hyperlink straight to Game Pass. So I can go see which play he's getting credited for and be like, ah, I don't know if that's on Kyle or whatever. And it takes the subjectivity out of it a little bit, especially yeah. if since someone like me, I covered a team and can ask a player or somebody or a coach specifically about that play. All of that though, there's, oof, ah, man, I don't, Kyle, Kyle needs to be better. That's why he was going to be my X factor because you just can't, you can't, you can't have, bad reps against Aaron Donald, which is really unfair because you're probably going to play like anywhere from 60 to 80 snaps in the game, but you just can't have, you have to play 60 to 80 mm-hmm. perfect snaps. The one bad snap is going to get your quarterback's ribs killed. You know, and I think that looking at, I've watched all 22 of each game. That's the coach's film allowing you to see every play from multiple angles. The O-line has been like, okay. Um, but you specifically highlight the interior guys. They can be a lot better and that in this particular game, I think, starts with Kyle, who's been okay. Like, I thought he was good against the Niners, specifically in the second half. But overall, I think if you're talking about pass protection, which is only one element of a center's job, to mm-hmm. be clear, there's a lot of other jobs. But specifically when pass protection, which, again, priority in this game, uh, I think there's a lot, a lot of room for improvement. Is there the depth in that offensive line to maybe give him a little dig out? Uh, kind of double team, maybe even triple team Aaron Donald on some occasions. Oh uh, yeah, no, you definitely you should. Even if there wasn't depth, <laughs> just just put bodies in the yeah, way, yeah, put yeah. three hundred pound man in between <laughs> you and the quarterback. I think the Dolphins last year quadruple teamed Aaron on one snap. Uh, I think there's a, like a viral picture of that out there because I mean, and I don't blame them. I don't. Um, I think that was like to his first start, maybe as well. So that was that. That makes sense. Protect your rookie quarterback at all costs, but protect your $140 million quarterback at all costs too. Like mm-hmm. protect your quarterback at all costs really is the moral of the story. So I think, yeah, double teams, chips. Um, I mean, for example, there's still, that doesn't even work all the time. So when I was looking up his pressures and uh, his first start last year, which was against the Rams at week 10, he gave up three, two of them to Aaron Donald, which it's not the worst thing in the world, but two of them are like, the both both pressures were Aaron Donald split a double team. Like it was Kyle Fuller and the left guard, which in one case was Ayupati and the other was Jamarco Jones. Aaron just splits them both and goes straight to Russell's chin. And, uh, you know, Russell avoided a sack each time by just throwing the ball. But, oof, like you got a double team Aaron Donald. You got to like slide protection his way. You got to put a running back there. You got to move the pocket. 
uh, it's you have to do everything. And again, you just can't mess up. The minute you mess up, it's it's Russ Russ gets hit in the chin, and that's just not that's just not good. Yeah. Well, well, hopefully with Shane Waldron's history of being with the Rams and maybe um, with a bit more motion and uh, moving the pot, Russ out of the pocket a bit more, we can sort of see. Aaron Donald not be a factor in the game for once <laughs> when it comes to a Ram Seahawks game. I want to flip to the other side of the ball quickly before we uh, we let you go, Mike, and talk about this defense because um, the they've allowed. I think I saw that the most yards per game this season. Um, we're kind of back at the start of last season again when it, I think it was the exact same thing, but the cornerback position has been uh, an issue all, all season so far and of course Trey Flowers has been getting sort of the brunt of the uh, of of the uh, backlash on, on Twitter especially and he was taken out this past week for Sidney Jones and um, DJ Reed was brought over to the other uh, corner position which helped him because that was more his natural position where he excelled last year how are these cornerbacks going to stop the likes of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods this evening. Uh, it's gonna be tough because they they're gonna have to cover for a long time. Uh, I think Matt Stafford has the lowest sack percentage in the league. It was like two percent, which is really, really, really. I think Russ is like six or something. Like Russ is as high as usual, and then Stafford is low, which is bad news for um, Seattle. Although I guess the flip side of that is Arizona didn't sack Stafford at all, and they held him to twenty points. Although they turned. The, they, Tyler Higby dropped a touchdown on the, in that game on fourth and goal, and the kicker missed a kick. I mean, that's another 10 points right there that has nothing to really do with quarterback pressure. So take that stat with a grain of salt, I guess. But uh, the other guy to cover for a very long time. They're going to have to avoid coverage busts and mistakes. You really just can't have that against this team. I mean, Arizona had very few of them, and that helped them. Um, they forced Matt into some bad throws. He made a lot of bad throws uh, against the Cardinals, specifically on third down. And honestly, that is where the, that's the money down in this game for both teams. But we could talk about it from the defensive view. LA has one of the best third down offenses in the league. Seattle's third down defense is average, um, but it really just comes down to beating the guy in front of you. Can you do that? That I mean, that's really how they beat the Niners. The Niners were two of fourteen on third down that's one week after the vikings were nine of 14 like that's the, that's your ball game right there last week it was use ryan neal against george kittle that was a game changer ryan neal played out of his mind um and really helped limit um san francisco's best offensive player there's not an obvious matchup for them to do something similar the best i could possibly think of is to put dj reed on cooper cup in those obvious passing situations still in that dime look bring in ryan but just that's your man matchup. And then you can work everything around that. Similar to what the Rams are going to do with Ramsey. And when it's third down, Ramsey's probably just going to go guard DK. And then everything else is built around, okay, how do, based on where DK lines up, how do we adjust our defense accordingly on this down? I, the Seahawks, if I was them, I would do th- something very similar. I would maybe use DJ or Sydney, whoever you want, but my vote would be, would be DJ. Use DJ and wherever Cup lines up, that's where he goes and you build your third down defense around around that other than that you just got to get to matt like coverage be damned go get to matt because then it doesn't matter how long you guys cover if you get a sack Um, i think those are 
probably some of your best bets because this Rams passing game is damn good. And the Arizona game is going to prove to be an outlier once we get through all 17 games this season. I can promise you that. Well, then would it help them probably to do, like you mentioned, similar to what he did against the 49ers and bring in that 6DB package to, for Ryan Neal and then allow Jamal Adams to freedom to, to blitz and probably go after Matt? Uh, I don't I don't know where this came from. I heard Mike Salk ask Pete this after the game. The the the, the, the dime thing has nothing to do with Jamal. Uh, there's like I mean Pete's even said it twice. There's just really no correlation to Ryan coming on the field giving Jamal more freedom. Jamal already plays a lot. He rushes the passer. He's in the run fits. He he covers the flat. He is the middle of the field safety sometimes. Which I think he was on Quandre's interception. Uh, where Quandre was like the the rover, I guess, or whatever, however you want to call it, robber, whatever, and was able to roam the middle and take the Kittle pass away. Like Jamal's already doing a ton of stuff in this defense. And, I mean, he can do, I guess, a little more when Ryan's in or any 60, 60 DB is in, but I don't think that's connected in any way. Jamal, They're using Jamal in a lot of different ways. It's very similar to how the Rams are using Ramsey. Uh, they have him in the middle, but – they can move him around where need be. It, it, the difference is, I guess, Jamal's strength is rushing the passer, whether it's Ramsey's is like going out and playing man coverage. But either way, both of those guys are being put around the ball as often as possible, which is which is really good. So Rand, uh, Jamal already has all that freedom to do all that. Um, it's just a matter of can the other guys around him execute on third down? That's really what it was against the Niners, whether it was Ryan or the pass rush or Sidney Jones had a pass breakup on third down. It's really just about beat the guy in front of you on third down, whether you got six DBs or one DB um, on the field, uh, to be honest. So, yeah, I think I, but that said, I would use the plan that I outlined, but not because it gives Jamal freedom, just because I think it'll work. Okay. And I just, uh, I want to get your prediction for the game, but just one more question that came into my head there while you were speaking about um, Jamal is Jordan Brooks, who has seemed to have been bench for periods of games in the last couple of weeks um, in a se- in this season especially where I think a lot of Seahawks fans are hoping he'll take that next step forward and start to become you know wouldn't I wouldn't say as much as say the heir apparent to, to Bobby Wagner but definitely to be the next Seattle ma- uh, leader in that linebacking group yeah I mean that's what they are thinking. The air parents a good way to put that. I mean, that's the thought process. You take a linebacker, inside linebacker, a fresh round pick when you're when your current inside linebacker is thirty plus. That makes sense. But yeah, it just hasn't. I don't really understand the whole play Cody Barton thing. Um, I never really got that earlier this year. I mean, if you take Jordan and you're willing to let KJ White walk in favor of Jordan, then Jordan's your guy. Like that's not an open competition. I know always compete, but whatever. That's that gets skirted all the time. It's not like the always compete thing is not like a full on meritocracy, right? They've drafted one quarterback since then. If that was the case, you would always compete there too. Um, or some other positions you can make that same argument. So I think if you if you're gonna roll with Jordan, roll with Jordan and that's it. However, I did see the reason for Ken Norton Jr. to take Jordan out in favor of Ryan in this particular matchup. Um, that I think that having that having more speed and a guy who can shed blocks and hit, which is what you want your linebackers to do, I think that was a good move. I, I'm I'm struggling with whether that's the move 
entirely in this game because, like I said, the mismatch is not there. Like, I think Jordan can cover anyone on the Rams, but I do think Ryan should play more. It's quite the conundrum, really. It's not as simple as put Ryan on the field more. Someone's got to come off, right? Only play 11 guys. Um, so I think that's a that's a tough spot for them. But, yeah, I think Jordan's had an interesting year where, like you said, in like three of the four games, hell, probably all four at this point, they've been like, hmm, let's take Jordan off the field right quick. You don't want to see that. It's, you don't want to see that anytime you have a first round pick in a position, but you definitely don't want to see that while you're while you got one first round pick on IR again, and you got another first round pick a healthy scratch three times in four weeks. Like you need to get this first round pick thing right. So I, I they're in a really tough spot with Jordan. I think not to say playing bad or good. That's not even the point of what I'm saying. The point is that the staff, their actions, damn their words, their actions suggest taking Jordan off the field occasionally makes us better which whoa that's that's not good yeah definitely uh, and then before we let you go mike um what is your prediction for it later on tonight i see the seahawks are two and a half point underdogs and the over under is 54 and a half what are you going for uh i'll take the over um i will take the over well hold on let me do the math on my prediction for i think i got 27 23 Rams. I think the Rams. I'm kind of pulling that number out of my out of my ass, but <laughs> I do I do like the Rams. The, num- the, the, the numbers itself, I'd have to I would have to finish my preview to really back those up. But yeah, I think 27 23 sounds about right. Is that the over? Let me see. That that'd be but, under. That's the under. Okay, maybe I'll take the under yeah. then. So uh that that'd be my prediction. I just I think it's gonna be too tough for Honestly, the, I just don't give the benefit of the doubt to Pete. I just don't. He's got the one win that I feel like was like legit. You were better than McVay that day type of thing. And that's that's all I got. That that That's one in like nine meetings. Even if the 2018 meetings were close, I just don't. I just don't trust him to get his team ready enough to do this. And then, and yeah, I, I just don't. It'll still be close. That's a close game. That's like a. That's one turnover here or there from swinging it in either team's direction. So I was like, I expect them to get blown out, which they have before by McVay. Uh, but yeah, I think that the Rams right now are the better team. And they are more likely, based on their coach's history, to play like the better team, which is what really matters on Thursday. Excellent stuff. Well, listen. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us today. We really appreciate it. Before we let you go, uh, where can people find your work and your podcast? Uh, just follow me on Twitter at Mike Dugar. It's right there on the screen and spelled correctly. So that that helps. Um, everything's there. The link to my author page where you can find all my stories, that is in my bio on Twitter. My podcast is always pinned to the top of my Twitter. So right there, my Twitter just becomes a one-stop shop for every way you need to reach me. Excellent stuff. Excellent. Stuff. Thanks again so much. And uh, we hope you uh, enjoy the game later. All right. Thanks. Appreciate you having me. No problem. And that is it for our Thursday night football preview. Um, we hope you enjoy the Rams Seahawks game later on tonight. We'll be back uh, next week with our week five preview show. Look out for our YouTube exclusive tomorrow and um, where we'll try and help you beat the bookies, get a bit of money before uh, for this week five matchups. Uh, but until next time, stay safe. We'll see you soon.